No. What's your least favorite scary movie? Stay away, monsters. Stay away, ghouls. Stay away from Danny. You jerks know the rules. <laughs> Welcome to What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and all, and the absurd. We cannot forget the absurd. Um, in all of our favorites. <laughs> Do you want to try that again? Nope. <laughs> and least favorites. Well, see, now you ruined it. Now we gotta start over. Yeah, okay. I'm not cutting any of this, though. Um, welcome to What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the absurd in all our favorite and least favorite scary movies. Because we believe every horror movie rightfully has its fan base. Um, even if the fan base is watching multiple different versions and can't decide which one they hate the most. Pretty much. So. Okay. That, that sums <laughs> it up pretty well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, the reason why you mentioned that, I guess, we're talking about Halloween 6 this week, mm-hmm. and this is a movie that has multiple versions that are out there, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about both of them, but we're going to be covering the producer's cut of Halloween 6. Yes. So that's the version that we own. We actually own both versions, mm-hmm. but this is the one that you and I prefer. This is the one that we watch most of the time. Okay, buddy. Oh, am I speaking for you yes, here? Yes, you are. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't, like I said last night when we were watching it, I don't think that I remember the theatrical cut except for one notorious kill scene. Okay. Um, But no, Halloween 6 has always firmly been your baby. Okay, well, that's not to say like you have like, you have to have a preference over cuts. I thought that yours was the producer's, but maybe I I'm mean, wrong. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, you made it sound like... I mean, let's be clear. The curse of Michael Myers is no Halloween 5, okay? Nah, that's true. It's definitely not a <laughs> Halloween 5. I don't think... I think everybody can agree with that. <laughs> All right. But yeah, that's it for that. So but before we get into that, you got any announcements? Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> breaking news? Yes, we have uh, Frankie Muniz breaking news. We're going to travel back to the Muniz era. Uh, the first one is that Travis has finally seen... Big fat liar. Do you feel more complete as a person? No. What? No, that's... What? No. What? <laughs> no. I already saw Agent Cody Banks. Like, I was done then. Everything else is just kind of, like, extra at this point. Okay, however, counterpoint, Hungry Like the Wolf montage. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, that is a thing that happened in the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's yeah. the news what's the breaking news okay so I am catching up on some podcasts due to personal and professional reasons I'm very far behind and I saw that mid-May Dead Meat actually covered Stay Alive mm-hmm. and they covered the unrated version that you and I covet so greatly oh really so yeah so um, I'm not completely done with the episode I started it while I was mowing the lawn earlier uh, but I do have some interesting comparisons. That uh, So what happened was they watched the unrated version because that's what everybody told them that they needed to watch. They said it's way better than the uh, the theatrical cut. Uh, and what James did was he went to this website that like gave all of the differences because they did not want to watch the movie twice. They weren't going to watch the unrated and then the PG-13. Okay. Uh, so I've got a few interesting <laughs> comparisons for us so we know what we're missing out on. Interesting, 
Uh, one, you remember the very opening scene how um, there's the one couple that was like fucking with the pig mask. Yeah. And uh, uh, Milo Ventimiglio, or is that his name? I don't have no idea. Whatever. I, that's the, your guy. <laughs> yeah, the Gilmore Girls guy. Um, he walks in on them, and we made a joke about like them inviting him to join. Do they? The, yeah, the guy was like, do you want to stay and watch? Really? Yeah. So there's that. Okay. Um, there's a lot more like smoking and swearing and a lot more Jimmy Simpson. Okay. Um, when Abigail first comes to the apartment, the blonde one with the camera yeah. that lives in a van, um, when she first comes to the apartment to play the game with them, she says she needs to pee. And uh, he forgot that there's no toilet paper in his bathroom. So he like runs the toilet paper to her and like, she's like, just crack the door and pass it to me. And he like fully opens the door and just like stares at her on the toilet for a minute. Frankie Muniz? No, no. Oh. The main guy. Oh, okay. Um, So we've got that. Uh, do you remember Jimmy Simpson's sister in the movie? Yeah. October. Mm-hmm. Okay. Apparently her and the main guy were supposed to be dating. Okay. Do you have any recollection of that at all? Um, vaguely. I don't remember that being a thing. I did not get romantic vibes from oh, them. Oh, I didn't at get romantic all. vibes. I mean, I don't. I don't have any recollection of them dating. I just have recollection of the characters. Yeah. No. Yeah. So apparently, they were actively dating, and like when she eventually dies in that um, house, like he has this whole scene where he like mourns her briefly, but it gets cut because there's a lot of fucks in the monologue. Okay. So uh, for us watching it like we just we're like oh well his friends are all dying and he's also dating this new girl but apparently in the uh unrated cut he like he doesn't have to have the uncomfortable i'm breaking up with you conversation with his girlfriend because she just gets fucking murdered okay yeah when they are doing like their research before going to the plantation where the video game's supposed to take place there's like multiple scenes where they're like talking to the video game developer and then the person who wrote the book that the um like evil woman was based off of okay like several like scenes are just cut so and in their version so we remember the one cop getting his head cut off or whatever getting attacked in the video game store parking lot yeah so the website that james was using for the cut comparison says that that wasn't in the theatrical cut, which we both know is bullshit because we, we watched, we watched it. Did we, are you sure we didn't watch the the unrated? And no, because there's too many other details that like they're explaining that I just don't like weren't there okay. for us. Um, but yeah, so they're, it's really funny listening to them wondering how people who have only seen the theatrical cut know what's going on because they don't realize that like the website messed up a little bit yeah i remember it's been months since we've talked about that movie so a lot of this stuff is kind of like not really fresh in my mind yeah but i remember it being a very all over the place movie it was weird it wasn't a good movie it definitely is um it it doesn't sound like it's any better with the unrated cut but i still want to see it okay cool well i'd be down to watching it that's where we're at i just uh, wanted to share Share some Mina's era updates. That's somewhat related, I guess, because different cuts. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And we have talked about that movie, so if you guys want to listen to us talk about it, go check that one out. Yep. It's there. It's Just, there. Yeah, it's, you can um, find it. How long ago was it? I don't remember. I'm pretty it was... sure it was like September or October. Yeah, because we were collecting all of Rory Gilmore's uh, love interests. Yeah. 
All right, I'm going to blow through the polls real quick. Okay. So we did a Never Have I Ever in honor of Unfriended since yes. that was last week's movie, and they play Never Have I Ever. I thought that would be an interesting way to do a poll <laughs> this week. So basically it was Never Have I Ever of horror movie watching tropes. So like if you're watching it, these are things that you've done. Yeah. So what, what the rules were for the poll was the rules for Never Have I Ever are if you've done something, you have to put a finger down. So what we did for the poll was vote for the thing that you have done, or if you've done multiple things, vote for the one you've done the most. Yeah. So the things were, uh, okay, so on Twitter, we had 17% people cover their eyes while watching a movie. Okay. 50% jumped at jump scares. Okay. 17% yell at the characters on screen. Okay. 16% have been too scared to sleep after watching a horror movie. All right. On Instagram, 30% covered their eyes. 40% 40% jumped at jump scares, and 30% yelled at the characters on screen. And none of them have been afraid to go to sleep? None of them. They're all hard as nails wow. people. So that's that. That's, that was the poll. I thought it was a fun one. Thanks, everybody, for participating. I feel like that one has a Sir? decent amount of Sir, participation. Which, which one Which one would you have? Uh, the jump scares. Jump scares? Yeah, because, I mean, they, when done right, like, jump scares are good if they're done right. The cheap ones are easy to read, but, you know. I think the one of those that I've done the most, because I've done all of them, um, the one I've done the most is probably yelling at characters on the screen. Yeah, that one's probably I number two. Because I will fucking roast an idiot from my couch where I'm nice and safe. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So that's it for the announcements and the polls. Let's actually talk about the movie that we're talking about this week. Okay. Now the movie is Halloween, Curse of Michael Myers, came out in 1995. We watched the producer's cut Blu-ray. It's unrated. So that's cool. Um, but you can also stream it for free on Pluto. Pluto's a fun streaming service. There's ads, but it's not too bad. Um, or you can rent it for a low, low price from YouTube, Vudu, Google Play, or Prime. And this is only the theatrical cut. You can't, you have to own the producer's cut to be able to watch it or download it illegally, basically. Which is how people which watch this. we do not condone. Well, that was the only way to watch this movie for a very long time. And didn't get an official release until 2014. Wow. So, yeah, like it was passed around by people online. There's actually three whole cuts. There's the theatrical, there's the director's cut, which still hasn't had a release, and the producer's cut, which has been very recent. Um, but it's definitely been, like, flowing around f- for a while now, just okay. bootlegs. But, yeah, so I'm talking Halloween 6, but it's not actually called that. It's just called Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. This is the... Uh, I feel completely gaslit by that. I could have sworn it was Halloween 6. It says Halloween 6 on the title card in it the does. movie. It does. But I don't know if that's a producer's cut thing. So, but I doubt it. So this movie actually had a couple of different titles. And one of them was going to be Halloween 666. Colon, nice. The Origin. Okay. That makes more sense. Honestly, um, one, because in 1995, the 666 would be total, like, you're a badass. Um, two, this is more about his origin rather than a curse. Because I think you would argue that this isn't the curse of Michael Myers. It's the cursed Michael Myers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess, yeah. But it's kind of weird because it can be passed. So I don't know. We'll talk about that more when we actually get into the movie but it was released november 29th or not november september 29th 1995 let's say they're missing the mark there <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh the cast we have donald pleasance 
final role mm. in the Halloween series. He died before this movie even had its release. R.I.P. in peace, Donald. Yeah. Even though you hate his character, it's yeah, going to... I don't hate the man. We need to cherish him being in this movie for the last time because he's such an iconic part of the series. We are introducing, though, <gasps> Paul Rudd as Tommy Doyle. Yes, Tommy Doyle, the kid from the original movie. Yeah, so Clueless technically came out before this, but this was filmed before Clueless. Which makes sense. Yes, yeah. and I'm not stealing your trivia technically because this is Clueless trivia. That's fine. <laughs> I, You know what? That's something I didn't have, so thank you for contributing. <laughs> Uh, we have Marianne Hagen, who plays Kara Strode. We have Mitchell Ryan, who plays Dr. Wynn. J.C. Brandy plays Jamie Lloyd. And George P. Wilbur is back as Michael Myers or The Shape, which I didn't know that that was him. But he, for those who don't know, he's the one that plays Michael in Halloween 4. He did a much better job in this one, I think, than he did in 4. I feel like it's just very jarring going from 4 to 5 to this one. Like, they feel like different Michaels. I do, even though this is the same one from 4. I know. Like, I think that they actually made him look better. Like, he's not wearing the padded suit, which I think didn't help him Mm. any. The mask is better. He looked so tiny, too, though, is the thing. In this one? Yeah. I feel like he looked tiny. I don't think so. He is shorter and, I guess, like, smaller, but he's still, like big in comparison to normal people at least i guess that's true i don't trust that anymore though after going to our first tour convention ah yeah that's true uh cool thing though the person that designed the mask for this one the mask is actually good in this one if you ask me i think that they made up four five but it was uh john carl buchler (gasps) he made the mask and he also did effects for the movie he based it off of the poster image of four which is completely different than the actual mask in 4, which I hate that they do that for 4 and 5 both. Well, would you have put the mask for 5 on the poster? Is that the shit you're going to advertise? I wouldn't. Okay, then. But they were obviously okay with it. They, they were going to laugh. <laughs> it was directed by Joe Chappelle, written by Daniel Ferens, uh, music again by Alan Haworth. He has stuck with the series right from 2. Like, it's kind of impressive that he's still doing the music for these. Another interesting thing about this, the producer's cut has completely different music than the theatrical version. If you listen to the theatrical version, it has, like, more, like, a grunge rock soundtrack. Like, it's got, like, a little bit of, like, a rock theme to it. Yeah, it's very much a 90s. I want to get just, like, um... My God, why did I forget his name? I love making fun of him all the time. Harry Manfredini? No, no, no. The guy from Pearl Jam. I do his voice all the time. Eddie v- Van Yeah, I want to do I wouldn't do an Eddie that are like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, you know, they probably reached out to him. <laughs> For the sting, you know? <laughs> um, like, the difference, though, was in uh, the producer's cut. They actually, I think they actually used the original score in there a lot. A lot of the musical cues... Um, it feels very throwback to the first one oh, for this one for me. Yeah, it definitely was. It's better, I think. It suits the series better. Um, they even have like that little musical cue that I pointed out to you yesterday that has been in the recent Halloween movies. Like, mm-hmm. We're just like, da Yeah. You know, or like, as Eddie Vedder said, No. That would have been <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, all right. This movie, Jesse, 
has eight taglines. Pretty weak compared to Unfriended. I agree. However, it's still an impressive (laughs) amount for a Halloween movie. This is them, like, actually trying. So, all right. Then they workshopped them all, and they couldn't decide, so they just went with all of them. I'm going to go with the original that's on the poster first. So that one is Terror Never Rests in Peace. Not terrible. Uh, I don't... Because, listen, I know that everybody else thinks Michael Myers is dead, except for Loomis Um, and Tommy. I think Loomis does think he's dead. He's, He's, like, retired at this point. I think he just gave up. Um, but, you know, he's also forced to retire. Um, so I... I don't know. And it's, he didn't come back from the dead either. He's come back from the dead basically like four times at this yeah, point. Yeah, but not in a, not between five and six is what well, I'm saying. he's been missing for six years, so some people probably do think he's dead. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, canonically, he was not dead between those movies. No. Dude, this fucking taglines, they don't care about that shit. They're just like, yeah, you never rest in peace. This guy don't die. He's so <laughs> badass. All right, the other ones are uh, six times the terror, six times the fear, six times the thrills. Dumb. True terror never... No, this is different. True terror never dies. Okay, see, that one would be better. Yeah, that one might be better. That kind of addresses all of the criticisms I had. Yeah. Um... The only thing more terrifying than how it started is how it ends. Except it doesn't fucking end. <laughs> it's the end of the Thorn trilogy. The next one definitely is a hard mm, reboot. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm, I'll have some thoughts. Don't worry. Okay. Everyone knows his name. Now everyone will know the truth. Does anybody learn the truth? Yeah. They learn how he is, uh, how he is who he is. Okay, but d- does... is. Does, like, four people kidnapping a child, does that count as everybody? Um, there's a lot of elements to it. Okay. So, I, I think that I agree with that, though. I think they all learn the truth. A handful of people <laughs> will learn the truth. <laughs> the only thing more terrifying than how... Ha- oh, never mind. Uh, okay, this is a long one. <laughs> one has tracked his murderous past. The other is a student of the black arts. On Friday, September 29th, a mystery will be revealed. The only thing more terrifying than how it began is how it will end. That's made that, an extended version of it. Are they implying that Paul Rudd is the student of the black arts? Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. Dude, did you not get that? He's totally like a black arts guy in this. Actually, I don't know. He, he just he gets really into runes. Yeah. I think like... they're definitely stretching for that one. All right, the final one, Haddonfield is ready to celebrate Halloween. So is Michael Myers. I like that one a lot. Uh, well, I was going to say, we get to tie in your favorite thing, which is um, Footloose, which you've never seen, but you just find the concept so mind-blowing that I feel like anytime we can talk about Footloose and your hatred for the <laughs> general plot. In that one, though, like, it makes sense why they don't celebrate Halloween because, like, anytime they celebrate Halloween, bad shit happens. Okay, well, somebody died after a school dance. Oh, wow. <laughs> what do you call bad stuff happening on Halloween? There's people dying. I'm just saying, man, like... 
I also want to note that there we see like no police presence in this, and I like to imagine that for the past six years they just didn't bother restocking the police department. They're there, but they don't care. <laughs> Honestly, that's this that's what happens in this movie. They're so minor in this. Um, okay. Um, do you think it was budget or book tip? I think it's like. Mm, I I can see it being like right on the line between yeah. the two. You're not far off. Okay. It's five million. Okay. So I'd say that's right. Compared to the two movies that I picked. Okay. I would say it is. It. I mean, it's less than what these two are. So the first one I picked. These are movies that also came out in 1995. So just for comparison's sake, we're trying to compare these with the recent yeah. releases of the time. We're not economists here, people. We're just doing the best with what IMDb will give us, okay? Exactly. And it's all estimation, so whatever. But just for fun, this is, you know. Uh, okay, so this the first movie I have is Candyman, Farewell <gasps> to the Flesh. Ooh. Uh, that one had a $6 million budget. Okay. Um, it made $13 million. By the way, Halloween made uh, $15 million, And okay. it opened with seven, so... Halloween ended up doing better with less. And the second one I picked was Tales from the Hood. Okay. Also $6 million budget. Okay. That one made $11 million. Okay. So they're all pretty comparable, honestly. They are, yeah. And then uh, I wanted to try and shoot for sequels, but some of the other sequels I tried to find, like that did fine, didn't have budgets listed, I think, mm, because yeah. it was Leprechaun 3 and Children of the Corn 3, and they're probably all direct-to-video. Yeah. I will say Candyman 2, um... I know we get, like, his origin story in the first one. Like, we hear it, but you actually get to see some of it in that play one. out. Yeah. Yeah. So. so yeah. That scene. It's very similar. Yeah. That scene is, like, burned into my mind, and it has, like, I've transposed it into the original because they talk about his origin story there, and so my brain has just kind of merged the two movies in my mind. I don't think I've ever fully watched Candyman 2. Yeah, well, it took a while for me to get you to watch the first one because it always we would always watch it like later at night and you would fall asleep. Oh, not as like a diss to the movie, but just like yeah, you know, don't the, the body's tired. Don't insinuate to no, the people that I don't like Candyman. No, 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 no I'm not. I'm not. I had the fucking VHS as a kid. I know. I'm just saying, like, it just it took a while for us to watch the first one together all the way through. Okay. Yeah, not. I'm the one that introduced Travis to Candyman. I did not. This uncultured swine. He hated it until I showed up into the picture. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna try and make a claim like that because you apparently hated Big Fat Liar and have been holding that in for days. So, oh, I, I didn't say I hated it. You just asked if my life was changed. I mean, technically, your life has changed because you've seen that movie now and you hadn't before. All right, you know what? That's fair, and I will agree that my life has been changed. Thank you. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Got some fun little details for this movie. Okay. I hyped a little bit of this up to you before. Give me the juicy deets. So, as we've already discussed, this movie has multiple versions mm-hmm. that released. Mm-hmm. Well, there were many, many more versions planned previously to this. Very interesting origins okay. um, to some of this stuff. So, the first one, mm-hmm. I told you that it was something related that we did last night. Okay, so I need everybody to know what our night looked like last night. Okay. Or what our TV viewing was. Yeah. Media viewing. Go for it. So we have Discovery Plus because I'm obsessed with the Travel Channel and the Food Network and HGTV, right? It's worth $6 a month for me. And I discovered that there are channels 
And you would think that it's just like broken up by, you know, HGTV, Travel Channel. No, there's like House Hunters Channel, House Hunters International's Channel, Property Brothers Channel, a second Property Brothers Channel, because who the fuck knows why? Um, So we watched a lot of House Hunters yesterday. Yeah, obviously Um, not that. Obviously not that, but, you know, I'm just kind of trying to give context for everything we watched because okay. I want the people to be guessing along with me what your <laughs> what your juicy deets are tied to. Okay. Um, then we watched I Think You Should Leave while we were eating dinner. Um, You're going to go through every I single am. thing that went on on TV yesterday. It's like, th- I am. Let's condense Hold it on. to the night. I, well, that's where I'm at now okay. because then we watched uh, this. Uh-huh. And then we watched... New Moon, uh huh, and then we watched Kill Bill uh-huh. Volume One, mm-hmm. and then we watched Texas Chainsaw 3D. I fell asleep before Do Your Thing, cause I did though, too. and I'm so sad. Yeah, because by that point it was like one in the morning. Okay. Again, the body gets tired, people. So now that everybody is caught up okay. and gets to play along with <laughs> Heard us, our whole day. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was Kill Bill. I thought it was. I guessed it was. Yeah. Do you know why? You kept a good poker face. Why? Tarantino almost wrote the movie for this. What? He was um, he was working with somebody that was connected to it. Okay. And he um, it's basically because this is a Miramax like dimension movie, and that's where he did all of his movies before. Mm-hmm. Um, we should cover Dust Till Dawn sometime. Yeah, that I think that would be great. Um, but he, um, he did like a pitch for what, like he was going to do it. He was never picked up, but I do have his idea of what it was going to be before Okay. he, and he was never seriously attached to it. He was just kind of like working with somebody that was attached to it. And he just, his name was thrown out there as like a potential person. I want our names to get thrown out to somebody at some point somewhere where we do all these dream sequels and just like one random person that's like in the writer's room is like, Trav and Jess like writing insane sequels. Let's bring them in here to <laughs> yeah. spitball ideas. And then we become like a random factoid on the IMDb page and people are like, that sounds fake. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we have good sequel ideas. I think Hollywood needs to hire us. Okay. So Tarantino's idea was basically, um, so he was tasked to figure out who the guy in the boots was. Mm-hmm. Um, never got that far, never figured it out. Mm-hmm. But his, um, he said basically as far as he got was he was going to have the first 20 minutes be Michael, like he's escaped at the end because they like blew up the jail cell or whatever. And uh, he calls him the Lee Von Cleef dude. I'm thinking that is either the man in black uh, I think it's it's got to be because I looked him up and he is like a Western guy. Okay. And he like always wears the cap, so okay. I'm thinking that's what it is. But his idea was basically they and would the drive with the spurs, with the spurs. They would drive on Route 66, and just along the highway, they would be stopping at coffee shops and mm-hmm. shit, and just murder everybody along the way, and just leave like a trail of bodies on their drive. Incredibly Tarantino. It does and ties in beautifully to me mentioning Dust Till Dawn. Well, apparently, it ended up. Like kind of working its way into one of his movies. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was like something True Lies or something. I don't know if mm-hmm. that's if he's attached to that. That's just off my brain there. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much it. I kind of like the idea if um, if he would have wrote this movie because 
Tarantino writes some amazing stuff. It would have been really interesting if you ask me. Yeah, he's kind of a mixed bag, like as a person, but as a director and writer, um, he's great. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's good at what he does. I'm always intrigued. Yeah. All right. There's another version that was uh, going to be. It, this one had a little bit more done with it. Phil Rosenberg wrote his uh, like wrote a script for it. Basically, it was going to have somebody named Dana Childress. She was a 22 year old rookie NBC news uh, anchor. And she was stationed in Chicago. She would be uh, put on her first um, assignment to go to Haddonfield to cover their first Halloween celebration since Michael Myers had done his slaying. I already like this better than Sleazy Berry Sims. Yeah, I think that, yeah, it's not bad. And then she would have, like, somebody, an older guy um, that was going to be, like, a love interest and mentor uh, go along with her. Um, But basically... um, Tom Atkins. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He already Um, knows about the Druids. Yeah, I mean, he would have been perfect for it. They did have somebody in mind for it. I don't remember who it was. Well, this is the movie of recasts, so. Yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But basically, um, so they would go down there and do that. Michael Myers is introduced as a homeless person living in a dumpster in an alleyway. And along the way, a bunch of people dressed as the guys from Clockwork Orange would stumble across him and try to beat the shit out of him. But they don't realize they're fucking with Michael Myers and he fucks them up. And then he goes into a homeless shelter to try and seek bed and food. Hold on. I like to imagine that the mommy it's raining is raining red is like a very, very loose tie-in to that idea from the notorious singing in the rain Mm. bit from Clockwork Orange. Interesting. Could be. Probably not. Probably I'm reaching. You are. Yeah. Just (laughs) like us trying to clip those tree branches earlier. (laughs) Reaching so hard. Um, So he would go to the homeless shelter to seek food and bed, and Mm -hmm. he would see a promo for the special where they were going to be covering that. And he would travel down there. watching TV is more absurd to me than Michael driving a car. He's just, he's going, he's like living a normal life, man. He's trying to get his like life back on track. (laughs) I honestly really like this idea. (laughs) Yeah. So he sees that and he travels down there basically. And there's a lot more to it. Um, But one of the things I liked about it is he would have gone down there. And when he's doing his, like going into the store and trying to get a mask, he would have pulled a Freddy Krueger mask, throw it to the side and then pull down a Jason mask and throw it to the side. And then he'd grab like the Michael mask and put it on. Nice. Yeah, I think that that would have been really fun. I think that that would have been a great movie. Apparently, Mustafa Akkad hated it so much that after he read he it, he threw it across the room on the floor. He was pissed. <sighs> Mustafa. And one final one. This one has no details to it, and I think it's because John Carpenter like wanted to make it clear that he's done with the series. Um, he proposed that they take Michael to space. <laughs> <laughs> And to me, I think that that reads is like, I'm done. Don't come to me with ideas. I'm not going to give you anything good. Yeah. They like, it's like me when I don't want to come up with dinner plans and you're like, what do you want to eat? And I'm like, a bag of Doritos. And you're like, all right, figuring this one out solo, I guess. Yep. (laughs) All right. So that's it for the movies, the movie that could be. Okay. It had a lot of alternate versions, but yes, we're going to actually talk about the producer's cut now. Okay. Um, I, we can pretty much just jump into it. I mean, I do have more. Like, I have like the list of things that are different, but I guess we can just talk about it as we go. Yeah, that makes sense to do it as we go. But I'll go ahead and like, say that the guy that wrote it, Ferenc, he described the original like producer's cut as like a like more gothic and creepy, but it didn't have the intensity of the previous movies. It kind of loses steam along the way, which okay. I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Having said all that, let's actually jump into this thing. Okay. So, for me, I said, I, I know I've watched this movie several times, and I know I've definitely watched the theatrical cut at least a few times because I remember Jamie's death scene very viscerally. Mm-hmm. And I had to walk past a barn on the way to my bus stop through much of my um, middle school and high school days. Much of all of them. Um, and I would like that scene popped in like every October. Like I always thought of that. And I would like try and stay as far away from the barn as I could. Um, so I remember that. I remember Paul Resonant. And there's like. The DJ guy, the radio DJ guy. I, like, I just, I remember so little about this movie. I don't necessarily hate watching it, but there's just something about it where it doesn't stick to my brain at all. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's not, like, it's not a terrible movie. And, but it's probably one of my least favorite of the franchise just because it just it's such an like as a movie itself it feels very nothing and i don't they're trying to explain michael myers and why he is the way he is and they're kind of taking away, like, his whole rampage and his rage and all of that. I mean, they're giving an explanation to his rage, but, like, what is it that um, Drew Barrymore says on Scream about Halloween? Like, there's something scary about a guy with a knife who just snaps. No, that wasn't Drew Barrymore. That was somebody else. It was a different Scream movie. Uh, are you sure? I think you're right. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I am right. Okay. Um, like, so trying to give this weird explanation bothers me in and of itself. Like, they're trying, like, it feels very forced throughout the whole thing. I generally like the cult idea, and I feel like they were headed in an interesting direction with that. Like, when they're doing, like, the call into the radios, and we've got the one girl who's like, I just... I think I could fix him. You know what I mean? Like, she's really into him because it does really harken back to, like, you know, those girls that were, like, fangirling over Ted Bundy and stuff, you know? Um, So I think having, like, a cult that just, like, is fully in support of Michael Myers is an interesting concept. But the fact that it's, like, different from that is a little bit disappointing to what I personally would want and find interesting. I do think it's interesting that it ties into Halloween 3, what with the runes and the druids and all of that. Loosely. Loosely, but I mean, that's really the only other movie in the franchise that it ties into. It Technically, there's the Man in Black and the Cult of Thorn tattoos in part five, but it's just like so irrelevant because they didn't even know what they were doing with it at that point, you know? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, this is very much a sequel to five. I know, but it just like, it doesn't really feel like it. Okay. And then also, like, all of the recasting is so bothersome to me. Um, well, not all of the recasting. I like that Paul Rudd is in this movie. Um, he plays... Tommy? Yeah, no, I'm... 
I know he plays Tommy. I'm like trying to gather my thoughts for it. I think he plays the character pretty well. Um, you know, he's dealing with his trauma in his own way or whatever. Um, I am upset that it, like, Danielle Harris would be the exact right age for this and she didn't get cast. And I was reading some of it and it was like this whole thing about her age and she got emancipated from her parents and there's like legal fees associated with that and they basically wouldn't pay her enough to even cover the legal fees yeah she wanted more money they didn't yeah. pay it so that's a little bit frustrating i don't think that the um jc what's jc brandy is that it is that her name that ends up playing jamie oh yeah um uh, J.C. Brandy. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think she did a bad job. Like, it's not her fault that she was, like... You know, I mean... In a position where she was recast. Honestly, she's such a minor part of this movie. Yeah. I don't think it really matters. And then, apparently, Dr. Wynn was in a previous Halloween movie. He's supposed to be, like, a returning character. He's a recast. I don't remember a Dr. Wynn at all. Like, it had to have been the first movie or something. I don't... Maybe I don't know, but I I think that that's just like they're just establishing characters. It's like whenever Meeker is there in four, like yeah, there was never a Meeker mentioned in the first one. No, no, no. I read this specifically. Like Doctor Wynn was a recast situation. Oh really? There was a Doctor Wynn in another another no. one of the Halloween movies, okay. and I'm thinking it has to be the first one. Yeah, I mean it's probably yeah because that's the only time that they actually talk to people from the sanatorium. Yeah, but like that is such a minor part. So like. I mean, I was, like, it was fine enough, like, as a twist there at the end, but, like, for the Man in Black thing, but mm -hmm. it also, apparently, it was, it would have had more emotional impact if we'd realized that he was, like, somebody that went way back in the franchise, too. So, I, like, it's just one of those that, like, it feels very sloppy and unsure of itself, um, and I'm not even getting into a lot of the logistical things that I'm definitely going to be talking about as we go through. Like, um, this fucking giant-ass baby that apparently doesn't need to eat ever. It, <laughs> like, there's just, um, there's a lot of stuff that I like in this movie and a lot of stuff that I dislike. And it just kind of ends up being a warm bowl of meh for me. So what's your rating? 4.5. Okay. You look annoyed that I talked for that long. <laughs> I just didn't know, like, I, I couldn't really tell what you, how you felt about it. I don't really know how I feel about it. Okay. Well, maybe it sounds like you have some wiggle room here that maybe you can feel better about it after talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited to go through it bit by bit and kind yeah. of like process. Yeah. We got a lot of time so. though, even though we're already 40 minutes it's into fine. this episode. That's cool. <laughs> um, I think that this movie's fine. I think that it is better than people say. I think the version that we watched is the one to watch because I think it is a more co uh, coherent story compared to the theatrical. The theatrical one, they basically like threw together a completely different ending and tried to gore it up a little bit. Although I think the ending is a little bit more entertaining in the theatrical version. Um, I just think that the everything flows as a whole better in the producer's cut. But I think that they did everything well enough considering what they were left with. Like, Halloween 5, like, they were basically playing a game of, like, just leaving these, like, weird things, like, setups for the next guy to do. And 
eventually it got to the point where like, okay, we got a man in black. We got this random tattoo on Michael. We have to address this now, finally. And, you know, it's okay. Like, I, I don't really think that the Cult of Thorns stuff is really, like, it could have been done better. I don't like the idea of people controlling Michael. I like the idea yeah. of Michael being independent and doing all this because he wants to. That's what I'm saying. Like, I wish that the cult was just people that were, like, creepy into him. Yeah. Instead of it being, like, wormy. Instead of it being a hack-a-lantern situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's just, it takes away from his character. And that's the problem with when you try to explain things and give too much backstory. It always just takes away the creepiness mm-hmm. out of it. Um, having said that, though, I think that um, the Michael in this movie is very good. I think he does a good job. He um, he does just the right amount of lurking and the right amount he of He does, shabbing. yeah. And it's kind of like a middle between like four and five where you still have those background shots, but, you know, it's he's not as much of like a looming like threat in this one, I don't think, because... You get that thing of him being controlled by the man in black all the time. Anytime he's there, the man in black is also talking to Danny, you know? Like, it's just whatever. So, I haven't said all that. I think it's fine. Um, I don't think it's the best. I think I'm going to give it, like, a six. Okay. So, it's going to leave us with a 5.25 average starting with. And that's a lot better than a lot of people would say for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I don't like. I don't think it's terrible, but it's definitely not one of my favorites in the franchise. It's and almost. I think that says more about the franchise as a whole than it does. Yeah, well, the next one is one of is a really good one, but yeah. this one is this one's just kind of like there, forgettable. Yeah. It, well, and I think the, another part of the problem with that is that it's in between two that I love so much. Yeah, I think in this movie kind of tainted how other people see the first two movies because it's lumped in as a trilogy even though like they're all so loosely i they're barely a trilogy it's like a yeah the smallest thread barely yeah it feels like they wanted it to be a trilogy like this entire script feels like it was an improv situation you know what i mean like okay we've got jamie lloyd a thorn tattoo and a man in a black Go. They should have, like, combined the ideas that were pitched to them before this. Like, the one with the with him being homeless and then also on the highway, like, on his way down to Haddonfield, killing people along the way. I think that would have been great. I want to see a montage of Michael Myers on a motorcycle while Byron's playing. <laughs> that would be terrible, and I would cry if that actually happened. You don't do that to my guy, Michael. My boy. Okay. Let's actually talk about this thing now. All right. 45 minutes in. Y'all know we got thoughts today. Yes. So I do like the logo at the beginning where they make the A, the thorn. I like that too. Yeah, it's nice. And you actually get Halloween 6. Yeah, I was also like Halloween 6, question mark, because when I was like looking shit up, it was all Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers. Yeah. No 6 anywhere. So uh, we see an older screaming Jamie on a gurney in the Nightmare on Elm Street boiler room. <laughs> yeah. Um, we are also introducing Paul Rudd, as we learn, um, because this, uh, rather than have like a rotting pumpkin as the credits go through, it's just like straight into the movie with the credits popping up. Yeah, and it's October 30th, 1995, mm-hmm. and it's basically Jamie being wheeled down the hallway on a stretcher. She's giving birth. Yeah, these and there's like a dungeon doctor's got yeah. their PPE on, at least. Um, <laughs> that, that's like a really weird-looking hazmat suit that they're wearing. 
They're not wearing a hazmat suit. I know. Just in gowns and. It's a joke. I don't get it. Because it's like giant and like they're like giant masks. It's like a giant quote. Forget it. It was stupid. Move on. Let's just okay. move on. Okay. <laughs> um, Jamie has a giant ass babby. It's huge. This sucker is ginormous. And I understand why it happens. It's because you legally can't have a newborn actor. It's not a thing. Um, some shows and movies get around this by... <laughs> this feels really fucked up to say out loud. They will have... Um, the baby actor will be a baby that was born prematurely. So by the time it's legally allowed to work, it's closer to the size of a newborn baby. Wow. So I forget which show it was. Um, I want to say it was either Friends or The Office that did that. Uh, isn't the whole point of like The Office like the baby's huge? There's the there's that joke um, when Angela has her baby. Thing. Yeah, that's what like, I'm talking there's about. There's no way it's preemie. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um well, okay, that makes sense though. I mean, it, I don't know if it's fucked up. I mean, that's like at least that baby's earning money to like get on the right track. He's <laughs> getting his wife right. <laughs> In this economy, even the baby's got to work. <laughs> right out of there. Um, the man in black uh, just kind of casually waltzes up and takes the baby. We get Loomis doing a voiceover, giving us Michael's whole background or whatever. We get a flashback to 1989, the end of part five, and we see um, Jamie gets taken. Michael, too. He's being forced into the van by people. Yeah, why is he being physically forced? I thought all you had to do was have the ruins. I don't know. It's really strange. It's really weird, like watching Michael just like get manhandled by all these people. I don't. It doesn't feel right. Um, one of the nurses there feels bad and helps Jamie and the baby sneak out. Um, I feel so bad for Jamie in this because she's like seventeen, eighteen, right, and like give or take like ten minutes postpartum. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. Yeah, she has a lot to work through here. Right at the. Uh, Right at the beginning, oh. right after her birth, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the nurse and her, like, the nurse helps her escape. And then as she gets out, the nurse starts walking back, and then she gets distracted because she thinks she hears Jamie. And then Michael comes out, because apparently they've unleashed Michael to go after her. Um, Release the house. <laughs> he grabs her, and wouldn't you know, there's a spike on the wall. Oh, Uh, (laughs) how did he get there that's a good question because i looked at that wall both sides i was watching the wall i'm paranoid about spikes (laughs) i made note though like i was that's a long ass hallway no spikes don't know what the fuck that was about so yeah he like he stabs her head with it Mm-hmm. And she's dead, and he does a thing where he stops and does like a little head till you know, just yeah. as Michael does. Yeah, I uh, got all the time in the world chasing this lady. Right, Jamie runs outside, uh, exits through. Is it like a dumpster kind of? It's like a storm door type situation. Yeah, storm door. Yeah, yeah. Um, dumpster. <laughs> like I don't know, camouflage it. And we're tying uh, in the Michael. We're yeah. tying in the other script ideas here. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. So she runs out and she steals Danny McBride's truck. Yeah, uh, man, that guy looks exactly like him. He looks like Danny McBride in Eastbound and Down. <laughs> um, 
Got the curly mullet and the stash. And all, all he knows how to say is, what? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> he doesn't she, get much chance to say anything else, though, because wouldn't you know it, Mike saunters up and gets a hold of Danny. Twists his neck. Yeah, he's like popping that champagne cork, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I can't remember if this is true or not. I think that they gore that kill up a little bit more in the theatrical version. See, here's the thing. That I like with the gore versus no gore. You do you, whatever. I feel like there's a huge divide in movies where people, like in the horror genre, people are like, mm, it's not even that graphic. It's not that scary. Mm-hmm. But then those same people will see things like Saw and be like, mm, how can you even be into that? All it is is torture porn and gore. Yeah. Like, choose one or the other, Betty. Like, calm down. Or you can have both and just like not be a judgmental asshole. From the Judgmental Assholes with their Judgmental Asshole podcast. Well, I am on board with goring everything up. I love watching gore in horror movies, but... It needs to make sense. Yeah. And if it's not there, I'm not hurt. The original Halloween Mm -hmm. has, like, almost no gore. Mm -hmm. I think that's what they're trying to do with the producer's cut. With the original vision is to keep it as goreless as possible. Because all he's doing here is snapping a neck. You don't have to have him, like, have his head ripped off and... Blood flying everywhere and his eyes gouged out and shit like that. Just be simple. Um, so then we uh, we uh, travel over to 45 Lampkin Lane. And we see Danny dreaming about the man in black. Who says in a very Mufasa-esque voice to kill for him. I should clarify this is not Danny McBride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the character's <laughs> name is actually Danny. <laughs> the movie shifts to this character <laughs> completely because he's having a death experience. <laughs> um, yeah, the rest of the movie is. <laughs> it like ends with him waking up and they're like, he's hey. In a coma. He's like, you've been in a coma for six years. What? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Danny wakes up screaming and his mom runs in to uh, comfort him and he he says he had a dream about the voice man. Now what kind of idiotic fucking name for a nightmare is this kid coming up with? They've been changing the names in all of the movies. It first started with the boogeyman. Which makes sense. And we use boogeyman later in the movie. Yeah, um... But this is, like, all, like, the dream shit. Like, Jamie, what does she say? Like, the Nightmare Man or whatever? Yeah, also makes sense, because it's the so man in her nightmare. Name. Nightmare Man but is the scary. voice man? What the is wrong? Man. And, like, I, again, we clarify later on that this child is six years old. <laughs> he looks way older than six, and he acts way younger than six. Yeah, the, the mom's, like, fed up with this. Like, oh, yeah, Danny, the man with the voice. Oh, yeah, like, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> we live in a house with my parents. I know you've seen men speaking. <laughs> Poor Danny. Why is this so scary? He's got he's he loves dinosaurs and he loves Power Rangers. <laughs> and you know what? That and he loves bull cuts. Bull cuts make the return here. This is a very 90s Halloween yes, movie here. Yes, it is. I was this kid. This was me in the 90s also. Bullcut, so Power Bull Cut, Rangers. Power Rangers, Dinosaurs, mm-hmm. and did you also dream about a voice man? Um, Mr. Voice Man. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I did actually. Okay, well, now you have to explain it some. 
I don't know, I have nightmares of Michael Myers because the movies scared well, me so well, much Michael as a Myers kid. Michael Myers is not the voice man. The man in black is the voice man. <sighs> Whatever. Same same deal. Same. No. Spooky men. Spooky man. That would even be a better way to say yeah. the voice man. <laughs> my parents come like, person and Travis who is oh it's the spooky man. I feel like especially given what his voice is, I feel like Kara is like all right, cool. No more Lion King for you. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. He does. Uh, he has a James weird Earl voice. Jones. <laughs> Kill for me, Donna. Um. So. Oh, um. So the mom calms him down, and on her way out, she accidentally knocks down one of his drawings that's pinned to the wall. She picks it up and takes what it with it? her. How was it pinned to the wall? It I had don't to, know. Like, probably tape. Like probably not even like. It was either off-brand Scotch tape. I could see that being what John buys for the household, mm-hmm. or like that, like tacky stuff that you have to use in your dorm room because you're not allowed to put oh, tape on the walls. But yeah. it, like you have to re-stick it every three weeks or so because, like, especially when it's really humid out and everything just falls down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. Either way, <laughs> she uh, she takes it and she goes off to her room. She looks at it and it is a thorn mark that mm-hmm. he has drawn on the paper. Um, she begins to listen to the radio station where they're doing a whole thing on Michael Myers. She begins to undress. On, on back talk with Barry Sims. Yes, Barry Sims. She begins to undress and walk around the room. As she's doing that, we are introduced to Peeping Tommy. Peeping Tommy Wallace. Nice! Good one. <laughs> he's got his telescope across the street and he's, he's just staring. He's ashamed. No, well, I think that he he subscribes to the thought that if you are still, they don't see you. Because <laughs> he freezes up entirely, and he's just, like, staring at her. All right, like, he thinks that if she sees him and doesn't do anything, then it's consent. Yeah, or something like that. He's really weird. He's they like, don't even eh? talk about it. Mm-hmm. There's um, a lot of things about Tommy that we don't talk about. Like, him kidnapping a baby. So, let me ask you something, because you are notoriously a big Paul Rudd fan. How do you feel about him being such a creepy guy in this movie? This is like the only movie where he plays a creeper. Um, Except for in Clueless when he (laughs) marries his sister. They don't get married! (laughs) They do eventually. That was the sequel that got pitched. Has it been? Um, No, I like... I still love Paul Rudd. Like, it's hard. How do you not look at that little pinchable face and not go, ah, I forgive you, Tommy. Would you forgive him for peeping on you like that? No. In real life, no. But, like, in the movie, like, I I cannot separate the art from the artist in this moment. He's Paul Rudd. Like, he's creepy Tommy Doyle, but he's also Paul Rudd, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but he's also listening to the show, and then he's also calling in at the same time. He was about to like multitask, like watch, do a little bit of voy- uh, voyeurism, and talk to a uh, Barry Sims. Kind of busy night. Yeah, but he's basically giving like the whole rundown on. Uh, he he's like giving his speech, kind of like in he's Halloween like, Kills. He's Numis in this moment. Like he's the one that's obsessed with Michael Myers. God, I forgot. Um. And um, that one that um, that one that I was talking about by Phil Rosenberg, where Michael was homeless mm-hmm. and they had the new station go mm-hmm. down there, he was gonna be um, he would have gone to visit Loomis, who was in a mental asylum. Um, Wait, who would have gone to visit him? Tommy. Doyle? Tommy, yes, okay. because he's seeking help, and Loomis would have warned him or warned him. He's like, "I'm done. It is 
like is kind of gotten me it's been on my shoulders all these years i'm worn out now i can't do it i see this happening to you too you shouldn't do it and then he's like you should totally do it so like a clear rivers and final destination two kind of situation almost exactly like that okay um except he doesn't join he's just stays there but um Tommy would have been like a uh, a hacker VR enthusiast where he like oh does god. like VR experiments oh and he like trains to like fight Michael and shit like that. Did VR start back that long ago? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Nintendo had a console wow. back then. Yeah, it was really really bare bones, but you know whatever. I mean, he's still like a computer nerd on this too because as he's talking to Barry, he's like pulling up um, this little. He's got Michael as a screensaver, and he's got like all this rune shit that he's studying. You know, he's still a nerd. Tommy's a nerd in this big time, but he's like, yeah, he's giving his whole story. He's like, I was a kid, uh, Tommy uh, Doyle. I survived. Blah blah blah. And Which, uh, okay, this one or the monologue that Tommy Doyle gives in Halloween Kills? Which one do you prefer? This one. Okay. Uh, in Halloween Kills, he's... I don't like he's that Tommy. He's ruining other people's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. they're, they're there for karaoke. Stand up. And, yeah. like, amateur stand-up shit. And Tommy, like... You know he, like, paid the bouncer to lock the doors. And yeah. he was like, don't let anybody out. The people need to hear this. Whereas, like, with Backtalk, like, people are like, okay, cool. Let me switch it over to another station for a song. And then I'll come back to this. Yeah, I mean, it's just better. Like, I like... I don't like that Tommy as much. He's weird in that. Like, he's not the type of person I would expect. I get Tommy being this person. Like, he's obsessing over Michael and trying to get him. You know, whatever. Yeah, well, this is a child. Like, it's essentially, um, to use a phrase that we heard a lot on Last Drive-In this week, it's essentially Arrested Development because he was terrified of the boogeyman when he was, like, what, eight years old or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then um, he, it, that fear was confirmed. He had to grow up being like, oh, oh shit, yeah. yeah. Like, so it it tracks for me. And also, Paul Rudd is like, he was born in 1969. So, like, he is, like, almost the exact right age of what Tommy Doyle would be. We yeah. looked all of this up because, as we all know, Paul Rudd has sold his soul to some deity to obtain eternal youth. Yeah. So. Yeah, he could be, he could play this role today and still... Not, you wouldn't question it. Yeah, there's like literally any any year you could have told me he was born in any year when you were pulling it up, and I would have <laughs> yeah. believed it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's born in the sixties. For those curious, so I guess I just said nineteen sixty nine. Oh well, there you go, nineteen sixty nine. Same year we went to the moon, or the same <laughs> year that uh, Kubrick. Coincidence? Yeah, I think not. <laughs> Anyways, as they're talking, <gasps> Paul Rudd's a moon baby. Okay. You think are you saying yeah. like they fucked because like they were so happy that no we like went to they the moon? brought him back from the moon oh okay <laughs> fucking on the spaceship no that's not what I'm saying I'm saying like people at home like they that's, were so excited by the news his of, full name is actually Apollo Rudd <laughs> <laughs> Apollo Rudd <laughs> oh my god we got to get off of this. Okay. So as he's talking on the radio, on the moon. <laughs> as he's talking on the way, Jamie is driving in the truck that she stole from Danny McBride and she's overhearing it and um, she drives, she notices there's a sign for a bus depot. So she decides to stop there. Hopefully she can get away from Michael and take the bus or whatever. I don't know. Okay. 
Her pulling over because she hears the radio makes a lot more sense because for a minute I like just thought she like saw the bus deep and she's like, yes, the way to get away. And I'm like, girl, you are in a truck. Yeah. So, okay. That connection makes a lot more sense for me. Yeah. But she gets there and it's completely abandoned. There's like a back in 20 minute sign. So that surprises me that it is completely abandoned. It doesn't for me because they're outside of Chicago. Like, they're not in Chicago, right? Like, yeah, they're it's pretty the far of the night. out. Yeah. Like, yeah. we've, you know, we've been to Atlanta before and we used the MARTA subway and the and the buses. And we've had, we had moments in Atlanta where it was like we were the only people waiting. So That's fair, I can see yeah. that. Anyway, she, um, she makes a call in herself asking for uh, Dr. Loomis's help. Meanwhile, we cut to Loomis. Who, of course, has a fucking typewriter. He's writing his book about the experience with Michael. And he's doing the two-finger yeah. thing. <laughs> he's just got his little pointers and he's going click, 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 click. It's like the modern day, like whenever you see people trying to play video games, like they're just like mashing the buttons. They're, like, they're uh, holding the joystick like with their whole Yeah. Hand. Like, yeah. no, it's not how it's done. But I like his like little uh, nod to... Um, to the camera basically like because um barry is basically like oh yeah he's um he's dead or whatever and he's like not dead just very much retired <laughs> and as that happens he has a knock on the door and it is dr Wynn who has come to visit him okay i have a theory yeah because he refers to him as terrence multiple times i feel like dr Wynn likes to be called terry and loomis absolutely refuses and calls yeah, him Terrence. power move. Yeah, like, I, like I just, it. like, it. he's that kind of guy, you know? Yeah. And I just, that's my headcanon, is that he, like, he gave up years ago telling him that his, he goes by Terry. Like, he's just <laughs> like, whatever, I guess I'm Terrence. Well, that would explain why Dr. Wynn comes here, because he respects the woman so much for that. He's basically come to tell him that he's retiring from uh, the position of chief administrator at Smith Sanatorium, and he wants Loomis to take the role. Smith's Grove Sanatorium. Smith's Grove Sanatorium. Yeah. So he wants Loomis to retire from retirement and come back. Um, he Loomis was forced to retire. He said six like years they basically ago. had to put a gun to his head. I believe it, but he I like Loomis. I like this Loomis. He he looks yeah. at peace. I also like that he seems to acknowledge how fucking insane he's been for the past few years. Like he's like he was like, no, I like I've gotten some nice time to reflect and it's uh I, I was not living a pretty life. Yeah. You know um, what else I like? I like I, that he's like, Oh, I got skin grafts. Yeah, I don't have this fucked surgery. up face anymore. Yeah. yeah I, like, like we just know that behind the scenes because Donald Pleasant's fucking hated the makeup he had in part five. We just know that he was like, I will come back. Write something where I don't have to have those <laughs> yeah. fucking burn marks on my face. Which to me, at his age, I think that most people would just live with it. Like, but whatever. I don't. Maybe not. I maybe don't know. not. I don't know. I thought. I mean, he, he was content with it for a while before. That's like when years. he was. That's when he was obsessed with Michael Myers. He was forced to retire, and Michael, as far as he knew, was underground. Um, you can interpret that however you want to. But, like, he had other things to work, uh, focus on at that point. And he took a good long look in the mirror, um, metaphorically, but then he also did it literally. And he was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, we got to fix this shit. Yeah. Um, why, also, why, like, here's how Loomis, a professional skeptic, 
should have known something was up is that Wynn, who presumably was part of the group forcing him to retire, has yeah. decided that Loomis is the perfect person to replace him. Like, that should have given some sort of marinara flag to Loomis. You yeah, know what I mean? You know what? That's true. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. It's it's strange, but anyways. But he he gets distracted because he hears his name on the radio. Yeah. Which even Loomis is listening to Back Talk by Barry. I'm assuming that this is like a station, like it's like a, not a station, like it's a show, kind of like Bob and Tom that plays on multiple stations because there's no way that the... A yeah. single station is reaching as far as it is. He tuned in specifically for it because uh, Dr. Wynn's like, what are you listening to? And he says, oh, it's a, they're doing a special on Haddonfield. So he was just curious about it. So it makes sense to me while he's writing about Haddonfield. You know. I, well, I like to imagine he heard about it because he listens to Back Talk with Barry Sims. Yeah, he's a huge every fan. Day and like, he was like, I'm taping this one. Yeah. <laughs> he like, meets somebody he's like, oh, can I get your autograph? Um, so he hears his name. Jamie is basically called out for help from Dr. Loomis specifically. Loomis goes and unlocks his little safe and gets his gun out. He's about to get shit started again. Okay, so what I read, and this was on IMDb, so take it with a grain of salt because IMDb, anybody can put whatever the fuck they want on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes sense to me. So apparently a line that got cut from all versions is that she says, he's after me and my baby, which is why Paul Rudd decides to go to the bus station to look for a baby. Okay, that makes sense, but everybody doesn't know about the baby, which also makes sense why they would cut it. Yeah, yeah, like I get it from both sides, but like that at least helps me like understand the leap in logic for him to be like, Ah, yes, bus station babby must be Jamie's. No, you know he, what I mean? Um, Tommy goes to the hospital with the baby. Yeah, after he's taken it from the bus depot. Oh, yeah, I guess that explains why he goes to the bus depot. Okay, yeah, because yeah, uh, why else, why, do you, why would he go to the bus depot? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it is weird. So, yeah, they kind of put themselves in a corner with it because they didn't, not everybody knew about Babby. But You're going to go this entire episode referring to it as Babby. That's literally how I wrote it in my notes, is I wrote Babby. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, they kind of put themselves in a weird corner with it. Okay. So. It, it's not even that big of a deal, because I wouldn't have even considered it, honestly. Because it, it makes sense that they don't know about the baby later. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, so she's made her plea. <clears throat> she goes down into, um, like, the little basement bathroom, and the lights go out. Michael's there. He's stalking around. She panics, and she escapes from a window above the toilet. Toilet. We're in the Midwest. Please speak properly. (laughs) Cut back to the chase between Michael and Jamie. They're driving along. Michael rams her off the road. She goes into a farm, crashes. (laughs) Into some pumpkins. Into some pumpkins. Needs some pumpkins, because it's Halloween, Mm -hmm. obviously. She goes into the barn, basically sits down and gives up. She does, like... She had a baby an hour ago. She probably medically cannot keep running. Probably not, yeah. The fact that she's come this far is a fucking testament to adrenaline. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not. Yeah, just, it's not yeah. It's not her mentally given. It's her body is like, hey, lady, you went through the most 
one of the most traumatic things the human body can go through. Can you chill for like a minute? Yeah, plus she already did what she needed to do. She yeah. got the baby gone. Because mm-hmm. what happens is Michael comes up, he stabs her. In and, this cut, this is what he does. In this cut. So he stabs her and then she dies. Um, dies, quotations. He thinks she's dead. Um, in the to theatrical be fair, cut, he rarely stabs somebody and they don't die. That's true. but He's got a, a very high like hit-to-kill ratio. And you know what's... No, never mind. This is weird. The whole thing is like he's tracking her down because this is <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing is he's tracking her down because he's haunting the last of his bloodline, but he, she's not he, related. Yeah. In the theatrical cut, they're not related. I don't think. No, because we established the relation in um. Part five, she calls him uncle. Yeah, but it's not like she was adopted by the family, right? No, never mind. That is blood because it's uh, Laurie Strode's daughter. Yeah, yeah. I'm stupid. Forget forget it. Yeah, we learned that in part four when Loomis um, I'm just does his favorite thing, yeah. which is be an eing. And he finds the picture of Jamie's parents. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, in yeah. the theatrical version of the scene, uh, Michael pushes her into this little spinny thing that I'm thinking is something related to hay. Yeah, I still cannot think of the word for it. I knew the word for it. And as soon as I went to tell you what it was called, it fell out of my brain. I haven't been able to bring it back in 24 hours. Yeah, I, so. I'm not going to judge you because I have no idea what this is. But it like rips her apart. Again, mm-hmm. this is them trying to gore up the movie. Um, it stuck with me. Like I said, that was the thing that stuck with me the most about this movie when I was younger. It's a good kill. But yeah, she doesn't deaden this version that we watched. So he nope. stabs her, goes to the truck. Finds a towel all wrapped up, thinking it's the baby, picks it up. It's just a thing of paper towels. Mm-hmm. So. Curses. And he doesn't <laughs> ever, like, retrace his steps either. Yeah. Also, okay. I just, I'm going to bring this up now. Because this whole thing is trying to, like, kill out the last of his bloodline. Why? Because later they say that it's Michael's baby. Why is he out here fucking his niece? And impregnating her. Okay. Wait, why are we talking all, about this now? Because well, that scene because, comes up at the end, like more towards the end. Because it's just bothering me. Okay. Like why? Like why was Jamie kept alive if he has to kill everybody in his bloodline? Why did they create an additional bloodline? He doesn't have to kill everybody in his bloodline. He has to like he needs to transfer it over to somebody else in his bloodline, which is the baby. Okay. And he's killing her off because, like, I guess he also, maybe that's, like, what he gets. Like, they're like, well, listen, man, do this for us. We'll let you kill whoever you want. Just don't kill the baby. He's a cis white American male. He does not care about women and what they go through giving birth. Yeah, sure. So. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know. He could could have gone on to be a politician. Didn't he think, uh, didn't he, like. Kind of do this in, at the end of four anyways, when he like transferred it over to Jamie. Yeah, but, you know, Mustafa <sighs> Cod needs that bank. I, I don't care. Bring me all the Halloween movies. I don't care how dumb they are. Anyways. I think I think Michael in space might have been made as much sense as this. They took Jason to space and it was fun. Yeah. They can exactly. do it. Whatever. Exactly. Just don't take it seriously. All right. So it cuts to um, we're outside the... The Strode house, the Myers house, basically. Um, 
And it's recently been sold. Kids are mocking it because it's the Myers house. Mm-hmm. Um, we get the shitty dad here. He's tearing down the sign and like the um, like the little Michael that they put on there. They're relatives of the Strodes. Yes. So they bought the house. They it's... bought the house because John, this is the angry man, the piece of shit dad here. His brother is a real estate agent and cannot sell the house. Yeah. So he bought it. But nobody knows that yet. He's the only one that knows that. Everybody just thinks that they got an amazing deal on a house. Yeah. So they, they all... They, they really sinistered it up here. Yeah, this they did. moment. So they're all having breakfast. Um, he is being shitty to them because um, he just doesn't like the fact that Kara's there. Kara apparently has moved back in with them. She has a kid now. He calls yeah. him a bastard. Um, the kid is really cutely obsessed with his uncle, though. He's dressed as his uncle for Halloween. Yeah, I like that. That yeah. was pretty sweet. It was like when uh, my my oldest niece FaceTimed me because she got a Build-A-Bear and she named it Jesse. No. <laughs> it was a mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're having this whole thing. Um, and Kara actually, like, stands up to him. And he backhands her. And then at this point... Danny hears a voice from the outside. It's the man in black. Also, Michael is standing there. It kind of looks like it's Michael talking to him, but it's not. They do that several times in the movie, and it's kind of hard not to get that implication. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Like, I mean, what else are you trying to make me think here? But um, this is different. This doesn't happen in the theatrical cut. In the theatrical cut, what happens is they're having that argument, and then suddenly it pans down, and the kid's holding a knife to him. There's no explanation why. In the producer's cut, you get to see... The man in black is outside telling Danny, he's like, Danny, kill for him. You know what I'm going to say in that instance, though? I think I like the theatrical cut better. I just like that Danny's like, yeah, like, fuck you, Grandpa. Yeah, it makes more sense because he looks like he's just clueless here. Like, he's just listening to people. Like, this kid's so (laughs) easy to peer pressure. (laughs) Where'd that come from? Just tell him to do anything, he'll do it. He'll kill if you tell him to. So, yeah, that happens. And then uh, Kara and um, her brother... What, what the fuck is his name? Tim, I think. Yeah, Tim. I didn't write it till later on. Um, so Loomis has learned, like Loomis and Wynn are back at Smith Grove um, looking around. Don, Wynn's um, assistant or whatever, is rooting around his desk. I wanted more of that. I want to know what she was up to. Yeah. Um, She's probably suspicious. She was shocked that he came into the office that day, too. I was like, I want to know what's really going on. And then she's like, "Um, yeah, we got a call that Jamie Lloyd is still alive. (gasps) (laughs) Which is a surprise because... Uh, Michael or uh, Loomis says, "Oh, I thought like everybody was under the impression that she died in the explosion with yeah. Michael at the end of five. Yeah, and she's like, "Nope, they found her body last night in a bus depot or in a farm near a bus depot outside of Chicago." Do they really think she exploded that badly, where like she was completely eviscerated, no remains? Apparently, she was small. She was a little girl. Still, it's that's like it's not much meat to explode, dude. They just blow. They blew up enough to get the wall removed to get Michael out of there. That was a. Anyways, yeah. yeah. So, um, we see Tommy staring out the window of his boarding house like Michael Myers. We get a couple of fun shout outs um, on the radio. We hear Hardin County and Russellville. Um. Tommy is listening to the tape from last night, much like Loomis. He was uh, recording it. <laughs> yeah, big fan. Uh, and he he hears like 
bus depot stuff in the background which is weird because i feel like we didn't hear any bus depot announcements happening because it was abandoned it just sounds like a home um, depot spinoff like <laughs> bus depot before you get all your bus supplies <laughs> um thanks home depot <laughs> Um, so he decides that he's going to go do some investigation, and when he does, he finds... Okay, listen, Tommy, don't touch the bus depot blood that you find! No. Oh my god! You act like that's the most bizarre thing here, but the most bizarre thing is there was a blood trail leading to the bathroom. Nobody cleaned it up or did anything. There's not even a wet floor sign. Not even anything. It's a bus depot. Nobody gives a shit. But still, a trail of blood. They're like, oh, yeah, somebody got murdered here again. They also ignored the crying babby. The babby wasn't even crying. Well, the the babby is probably almost starved to death at this point. Babbies need to eat, like, a fucking lot. Like, they need to eat every, like, two or four hours or something insane. I don't know. We don't have babby. Yeah, Um, that was the thing that you harped on the most yesterday. Well, because this babby never eats that we see. Do we have to show the babby eat? I would like to see it. We see <laughs> Paul Rudd clean a blood thorn off of the babby's tummy. Like, give it, like, some formula at the same time. Like, Oh, so he just casually carries formula. He's like, oh, thank God. You're right. He should just breastfeed the babby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he didn't try right there. Tommy's a creep in this movie. <laughs> He would have thought that he could do it. Yeah, the runes. <laughs> I've got the perfect because in this movie he carries around like a bag of runes. Like he's got like a it's like a guy in high school that carried around like a deck of cards with him. I swear to God, there were two cubes in Brian's pocket, and I think they're <laughs> yeah. dice, and he didn't want anybody to know. So sad. So sad. So 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 that, so sad. That's Tommy in this. He carries around some more runes. His runes gets him out and he it gets him out and of all of the jams. Like it could be its own spin-off. Like Tommy's in like a wacky situation. He's got the runes. The runes. There. Yeah, he knows exactly what to do. He can get out of any jam. <laughs> oh, Rooney Doyle over here. <laughs> um, okay, so um Loomis sees the thorn sign, recognizes it. Uh, Carrie is very worried about her son. She should be. Um, also, this is like the only time where there is police presence and they're immediately fed up with Loomis. They're like, God damn it, get out of here. We don't even want to talk to you. And then that's all we see of the cops this movie. Yeah. Um, Tommy takes the babby to the ER, says it's his babby, and Loomis just happens to appear. Yeah. Like, well, well, he was coming to see Jamie, right? Was that his Yeah, point? it makes more sense in the producer's cut because, like, she's alive still and they are taking her to the hospital. Yeah. Um, Tommy then lays some truth bombs on Loomis that even Loomis didn't know. Yeah. And he says that uh, the Strode relatives bought the Myers house. Dun, dun, dun. Hmm. Um, Loomis being ease into their house, by the way, and almost gives Deb a heart attack. Um Really thought she was going to die for a second. Yeah, she, she seems was... so fragile. But also, like, there's a strange man in her house. Yeah. Well, Mike was also outside stalking, too. So she doesn't about to be... know that. She was just accosted by this older gentleman with an unintelligible accent. She likes him well enough to invite him over for tea or whatever the hell they're He's drinking. He's already in the house. She's probably worried she's going to get murdered if she doesn't play along. <laughs> He probably made the tea. He's like, let's have some tea. 
<laughs> just like invites himself and just like starts using her She's kitchen. Like, is British? Are you British? Is that why you want? Do we? Do you yeah. drink tea? Are you British? Okay, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So he's basically warning. He's like, "This is the Myers house. You need to get the fuck out." Michael will come back. This is where he has all of his memories. This is where his rage is. He gives her an index card of instructions to follow. <laughs> like, pack your bags and leave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. Um, meanwhile, like we're cutting over to Tommy cleaning, um, the babby and naming him Steven. He gives him a name, but not any fucking food. He probably got food at the hospital. No, because Tommy kind of ran away. He peaced out. Did he really? I don't think he really got treated. Probably not. Actually, you're right. So I, I just like that he names him Steven. Like that's well, such a weird like, name. Literally, we do not reference it at all. The captions... The, captions, Call, the captions refer to him as Steven for most of the rest of the movie and then give up near the end. About the time Kara gets kidnapped, it goes back to being Babby in the captions instead of Steven. Okay. Um, um, so right here, Miss Strode, she Deborah. she finds out Deb. about all that. She calls um, the asshole dad. John. Yeah, John, the asshole dad. And she's like, I know why we have this house now. Your brother couldn't sell it. You got it for a good deal. And then he gets pissed off and just hangs up the phone on her. He's drinking, staring at pictures of Kara. She also said that she is um, leaving with the kids. Yeah. Which, good for her. Yeah. Needed to do that a long time ago. Yes. Good for her. Um, Too bad. Um, Yeah. But she was like, um, she's also doing like chores around the house, like laundry and stuff. And she like carried in this little uh, basket. Painting the walls and um, chopping some wood because some of the things she's bringing inside are paint rollers, a paint pan and a hatchet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's a necessity for painting. (laughs) How else do you get the paint off the wall? You just got to chop it off. No, John was probably chopping wood. He's probably like the angry dad from The Witch. Like he just goes outside and just like chops wood. Didn't he chop down the first cell sign? At the beginning, that's what he was doing. Mm, I thought he just, like, hulked it out of the ground. Mm, He's chopping it down. Okay. That's why they need a hatchet, because people kept putting this fucking (laughs) sign up on their lawn. Like, yo, I know, I bought it. How much do you think I paid for this piece of shit? (laughs) Stop reminding me. Um, But she goes upstairs, gets her bags packed, and she goes downstairs and notices that the hatchet is gone, and then she gets a mysterious call. Um... Here, I think it's it's the man in black, right? Um, I think so. I don't know. Like, what ends up happening? So she gets the call. It's saying there's it's something about the baby. And then, like, as she's on the phone, she sees Michael Myers. And again, like, this made me... I said I wanted it to be, like, a scream moment. And it's just, like, ghost face there with a giant-ass uh, cell phone because it's the 90s. Like, yeah. And then he just, like, hangs up. We don't get that. However, she is smart and runs. She does run out of the house. Except, unfortunately, she runs into her backyard, which is apparently just, like, one giant maze of clothing lines. Like, they yeah. have so many clothing lines. Like, an unreasonable amount of clothing lines, and she gets Texas Chainsaw Massacred. <laughs> this is like um, a, this is a rule in horror movies, apparently. Like, if you have... You, you have cannot to... have a single clothing line. You have to have, like, eight minimum. I'm just not realizing this, but isn't, like, the reason that she's doing this because, like, her machine's fucked up in the basement? So she has to, like, dry things outside, and then, yeah, so, but anyways. The washer is also fucked up, though, because it's leaking. No, the dryer's fine. I don't know. I think, honestly, like, sometimes it's just nice to have air-dried clothes. Just don't run in it if you're getting 
Yeah. Chased by murderers. Yeah, just don't get murdered if you want air-dried clothes. Simple as that. Yeah. Come on, do a little work, people. This is probably one of the more iconic kills in the movie, though. Yes. Because he just, like, slashes her right there with the hatchet. He is nice, though, and does take all of the sheets inside and rewashes them. Okay, kind of. He doesn't do a good (laughs) job. He learned... He learned how to drive. He didn't learn how to do laundry. Again, as many white men in America. <laughs> Attacked. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> um, Carrie gets home, and because Michael's good at cleaning up the crime scene, she doesn't know anything's going on. Um, she sees Danny, Tommy, and Steven all together, and she's like, wait, what? Uh, I like the, um, the way that, um, like, Tommy, so Danny's walking home from school, and Tommy stops him, kind of like how Michael stopped him in the original movie. He's just like, kind of like, bah, just like out of nowhere. But also, like, the man in black is following them. Um, so they're just like up in, up in the room when Kara gets home, and so they kind of like fill her in. Danny sees Michael Myers outside and is trying to like warn them, and Kara's like, Danny, for the love of God, please shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, oh, is it another guy that talks? Yeah, okay, we know. Ooh, the voiceman. Yeah. And Danny's like, actually, no, I, like he's not saying anything. And she goes, great. The non-voiceman. <laughs> oh, so, oh, cool. We got this guy now too. Great. <laughs> uh, let's see. Jamie is alive for a second, but the man in black comes into the hospital and shoots her. And listen. I know he's got a silencer on the gun, and that's how we're supposed to believe that somebody can just get shot in the hospital and nobody notices. Don't work like that. It's a, yeah, that's not how a silencer works. Like, it's a suppressor is the better terminology. It's more accurate. Yeah, people's ears are probably still ringing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's so loud as hell. Yeah. Um, so, Tommy takes the group over to his house. He's like in a boarding house with this old lady named Mrs. Blankenship who's watching Phantom of the Opera downstairs. I'm going to be honest. I never caught that it was a boarding house anytime I watched that. And since I'm watching the movie for the podcast, like I was paying attention. I was like, oh my God, that's why he's there. There's other people that live there. That's where uh, the brother's girlfriend lives too. Like they all live oh, right there. Oh, that's why they were asking her about Tommy. Yeah. Okay. Because she lives across the hall from him. Okay. Yeah. So I, I just never caught all this when watching it before. So apparently, I didn't even catch all of it last night. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So he shares the research, uh, and then he talks a lot about runes and makes them uncomfortable. So he um, wasn't my bag. <laughs> <laughs> but he also like throws out druids and the cult of Thorn and all of this. Um, he's like basically explaining about like the whole thing about the thorn and why it is the rune that they have for Michael. Apparently it's like, it represents a demon that spread death and killed the crops. Um, apparently there's one child chosen to carry the mark of thorn and they pass it down like within their line or something like that. So basically that's how Michael has his powers. That's why he is unstoppable and can kill and not be killed. Um, so... Meanwhile, we cut over to Loomis and Wynn, and they learned that Jamie's uterus was hemorrhaging. Oh. That's how they find out she had Babby. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was a nice detail. Um, I, I'm sorry, one more thing about like what Tommy was talking about, though. He was talking about um, 
The thorn's also like a constellation of stars. Mm-hmm. And it comes out on Halloween every now and then. Every which now and then. Cool, like is when all of the movies have taken place, basically. Every time that the thorn like has like, mm-hmm. a line, like that's when Michael is like he goes out to do his thing. Okay, sorry. What was it that we were Oh, it was the my cousin from Boston commercial for the Sam Adams spear and he goes, Oh yeah, look at that. That's O'Brien's belt right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so, Danny fucking disappears again. She needs to get this kid, like, squeaky shoes or something. Um, <laughs> but he's just downstairs watching uh, some Lon Chaney with Mrs. Bradford. Blankenship. Um, Blankenship. Okay, I just wrote Mrs. B because it was too long a name to write <laughs> in just, my nose. I, just, I ran with it. You just auto-fill it in your head right there, Bradford. I mean, it makes sense. It works as a name. Sure, yeah. Like, it's fine. <laughs> you knew who I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she says that uh, Michael Myers heard a voice too, and she also says, "But he was uh, fucking cooler than this kid and didn't call it the voice man." I hate that this retcons the whole thing that she was babysitting him that night. She was not there. She's a bad babysitter if she was babysitting him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's stupid. However. As we find out later, it's probably all part of the plan. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Um, so we cut over to this festival. I honestly thought this festival was a much bigger part of the movie than it actually is. They spend a lot more time talking about it than we actually spend at it. Yeah, it doesn't even really do much. It kind of, like, it sets up a kill, and that's yeah. it. We get, yeah, like, it's... It's so point. Like the like only thing that happens is that Tim learns that he's living in Michael Myers' house. This is probably just like remnants of that one script. Or like, okay, a news crew or yeah. whatever. But this time they made it like a radio show, and then like, okay, I guess we'll just use it as a kill idea. Yeah, like they do this panel where they're debating about like having Halloween at Haddonfield, and Barry is like super fucking misogynistic to Beth, who's like done her research, is super passionate about this. She arranged this whole fucking thing. And Barry does this typical dude thing where he turns to Tim and, like, talks to him like he's the expert on all of this. And Tim don't know shit. Yeah, Tim's yeah. like, I, like, talk to fucking Beth. Like, I didn't even want to be up on stage. What are you doing? Um, it's okay, because he goes to his van and is yelling at his agent and ends up getting stabbed. Not before he is, um, Beth reveals that. Tim lives in the Myers house. Mm-hmm. So then he's like, okay, we're taking the show to the Myers house now. Mm-hmm. We will see you all then. So yeah, he goes yeah. there. Um, meanwhile, John has gotten home drunk and he's super sloppy. And... This guy not drunk, honestly. <sighs> I fucking hate this guy. Um, the lights go out and he gets flashed. He's like, oh, come on, Mr. Boogeyman. Except the caption spelled him bogeyman. Bogey. The bogeyman. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, so he goes down to the basement because he hears the washer running. He's walking through a fuck ton of water and does not seem alarmed at all at how much his washer has flooded. Like that's a lot. Like that's more than should be there. Yeah, it's a lot. Like it's actually um, flooded. Down yeah. There. Um, and then when he opens up the washer, he finds a bloody sheet in there, and then he dies like chili. In Friday the 13th, part three. Ah, uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh, the death that you hated so much. That's how, that's how he does Well, here. it was done more lame in that movie. Like, in this one right here, and the producer's cut's more reserved here, too. This is another change, because, like, here he just gets electrocuted to death. And, the produ- like, in the theatrical cut, 
they wanted to gore it up, so his head also explodes. Cool. Yeah. It's like, I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not opposed to it. Like, it's it's probably a nice touch. But yeah, so he's dead now. I come back to the festival, and Tommy's there, and he sees this little girl, like, spinning around under a tree. Again, kids are fucking stupid in this series. It's just going, Mommy, it's raining. It's raining red. Cool lyrics, girl. Um, yeah, she, so She original. does it, like, ten times, and then, like, the camera pans up, and we see Barry is up in the tree. How did Michael climb up this tree, wrap Barry up with these lights, throw him in the branch without anybody seeing him? Yeah, because it's a crowded festival. Yeah, like, like I, it's so stupid. It's like in Tammy and the T Rex, where the T Rex is in the background of the funeral. Just yeah, watching everything. I don't know. Maybe people were like, "Oh, I guess they're like adding additional decorations to the to this thing." You know, I cool. It's Barry. I get it. He'll ha ha. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah. Why is why is he even there in the first place? Um, Tommy, like, did they establish a reason why he went there, or is he just like gonna go and blow off steam? I, I'm sure there's a reason there, but it was so unimportant I didn't write it down. I don't think that there is. I think that um, it just well, like, Loomis cuts. is there too. Oh, okay. Because Loomis is such a big Barry fan. <laughs> I he's I in mean, line he, to get his autograph. He is recording the show, man. Like yeah. <laughs> he's there, but he's there for Barry. Yeah. Um, he's a total sim head. Um. <laughs> So, Beth and Tim go back to Tim's house, and um, Beth tells the Judith story for longer than, um, like, it actually took. Like, her describing Judith and her boyfriend having sex took longer than the actual sex they had. Yeah. Um, I want to say they did a great job recreating the Myers house here, because it looks exactly like the first one, honestly. Um, and they go upstairs. They do it in Kara's bed, which that's weird. Like they make a point about it too. Yeah, like they talk. Except, like I wouldn't have realized it was Kara's bed if I hadn't been like, "Oh, my sister's gonna be so mad." There, it feels slightly like incestuous a little bit. Like it's turning him on. It's gross. Yeah. There's a lot of like incest undertones in this movie, and I'm not here for it. Well, some of it's very overt. Yeah. Well, some of it's not even. Some of it's just tones. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I like also in the scene how, like, the shot is, like, doing its best to keep her nipple hid by the flame, but then it's just like, ha, fuck it. <laughs> it's just like, here's tits. Like, she just, like, gets up, and then it's she's topless. Yeah, so Tim and Beth both end up getting killed. Tim is killed coming out of the shower. We get a little bit of uh, role reversal there, because it's normally the girl. And Michael hands him the towel. Like, he's like, hey, babe, here, can I have the towel? And he's like, here you go. Michael's like nobody's ever called me babe this is nice like he's like he's not gonna kill Tim for a second he's like maybe there's a future for us and then the Mufasa is like kill Tim yeah he won't treat you right kill for me yeah Um, Michael actually sees a wife between them um Beth ends up getting killed which Kara sees through the window because she wants to understand what um Paul Rudd is so into about staring into the window. So she like goes over to the telescope and she sees Beth and she's like, Beth, somebody's in my room. Why are you naked? What did you do in my bed? And then uh, Beth gets killed. Kind of like, um, like his sister in the first one, like topless in her, it's like almost the same room probably too. Yeah. Um, So Kara runs over there and Michael Myers comes at her. Um, but she manages to get away. She finds her mom, so she's sad. Um, 
they fall down the stairs, and Michael is, like, in between Kara and Danny, and Kara's like, come to mommy, and then she walks over to him and gets grabbed on the ankle by Michael, so she, um, she hits him, or, wait, what is it? Yeah, she hits him with yeah. the fire poker in the She hits wrist. him with the fire poker, and he lets go, but she falls, and they get up, they run out to Tommy's house, um, which is... We're seeing part one parallels here because the way she's like knocking on the door, yeah. she's like, help, help, please. And it's Tommy that lets her in. Yeah. yeah, I like this. Um, so uh, finally somebody asked about the goddamn Babby. They're like, where is he? Um, Loomis pops up for whatever. Like, we haven't been able to keep track of Loomis. He just like, he's in and out of scenes. It's he, fine. he really is, yeah. Um, like, listen, I know I give him a lot of shit, but like, it wasn't even fun having him in this movie. Like, I couldn't even laugh at his absurdity. He's more reserved in this one, yeah, if you like ask me. And I feel like he's also underutilized. Well, he's very sad, but he's very, like, Don Pleasance is, like, you know, yeah. coming close to his end. Like, I can yeah. understand why he's not as involved. Like, I get it, but it's also, like, it just it does take some of the fun out of it for me. It does a little bit, yeah. Um, So, they apparently, like... Mufasa starts speaking to Danny again, and apparently this time they all hear it because they all react to the voice and what it's saying. Um, and what happens is they look over and the man in black is there, and oh shit, it's Terry Wynn. Mm-hmm. It's Dr. Terry Wynn. Wynn. He got the baby too. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Blankenship is also in on this shit. Yeah, she's also in on it. She's super into the whole thing. Um, Kara ends up just kind of eating out a window. Yeah, like the second story, face first. How yeah. is she alive? She makes it. I don't know. And she, um, she gets taken, and uh, they uh, they bonk Loomis and uh, Tommy on the head, and they get knocked out. And then it cuts. Okay, so this is where we like this is where we cut to completely different movies because the producer's cut ends completely differently from the theatrical. Okay, let's go through the producer's cut, and then you can say what happens in the theatrical cut. Okay, well, right. Okay, so it cuts to. Um, we have Kara. She is laid out on like a stone. They're performing the ritual on her that they did to mm-hmm. Jamie. Mm-hmm. Um, then it hard cuts to Tommy and Loomis, and they're just outside. They're like, "What the fuck happened?" Like this is like the most. They didn't know how to trans like transition transition yeah into the scene. Like they basically are just like, "What happened back there?" I don't know, man. I you know, and they're like, "Oh, we got to go," and then Loomis is. Like, I know where we need to go. And apparently he has a hunch that it's at, everything's taking place at Smith's Grove. Um, we see Wynn downstairs and he's saying that um, they need this because famine, war, and a great plague are destroying our lands. And um, I know a lot of people have had some theories that the Cult of Thorn will come back and Halloween ends. And you know what? Maybe it will because uh, famine, war, great plague. Hmm. Yeah. I, hmm. I mean... It would make sense, but I really hope that they don't go that route with that. It's enough here. Just leave it right here with this movie, basically. Well, people think it's tied to the mask, and honestly, I think this one ties into three with all the druid talk. Very loosely. I really did. More than it ties into part four and five. Mm, I disagree Mm. with that. Um, So they are trying to make Danny be the one to kill Kara. Um... And the Babby? Is the Babby being killed? Is the Babby being the one to get the... Th- I'm confused here if they've decided that they're going to go with Danny they're instead. Tr- uh, 
Maybe they're just keeping their options open. I think they're trying to transfer it over to the baby because they have the mark on the baby and blood. Okay. I think that they have to do a sacrifice type thing. I don't fucking know. It's so weird and confusing. But why is Danny the one that has to do it? Because they're like, wouldn't they? <laughs> they're like brainstorming, like, wouldn't it be hilarious if we got this kid to do it? <laughs> they don't have any other reason other than that. It's just funny. So it's like, you know what would be real fucked up? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Are we doing this? Are we doing this? <laughs> Whoa. Oh, all right, guys. Don't stop me. <laughs> um, so I also want to throw out here. Um, I put in my notes, I refer to Michael Myers as M.M. And now that the new season of The Boys has started up, and that's yeah. how Butcher refers <laughs> to, to Mother's Milk or Marvin or whatever you want to call him. He's like, M.M. Mm-hmm. Or that. <laughs> so some alarms start going off in the hospital because um, uh, K- Tommy has saved Kara and the baby and Danny. Um, they. This is where they, like Kara's like, Michael, it's your baby, isn't it? Yeah, there was like a like a cut like whenever Jamie was in the hospital right before she got shot um, where she there's like a flashback of Michael coming to her when she's tied down exactly like um, Carrie is right now. Gross. So, yeah, that, that's how they did it. Like Gross. Michael had the baby with Jamie. Wrong turn six. Yeah, Gross. it could have gone without this. I think we didn't need that. But whatever, I guess they wanted to continue the bloodline somehow. So Tommy saves them um he holds a gun up to win's head basically is how he saves them um he does a hostage situation but he's not he doesn't do the smart move he doesn't pull the trigger like, yeah he could have just killed yeah. him right there but he doesn't um so alarms are going off in the hospital um and this is still an active hospital so i don't understand why there aren't more staff around it's dead nobody's there <laughs> like and this is completely different from like an er situation where you're gonna have ebbs and flows like this is like where people are actively being like yeah treated yeah yeah um so um you see some of that in the theatrical version um the code that is supposed to open the gate won't open um but loomis is like don't worry i've got this and he shoots the gate um and Tommy's like, don't worry, I've got this because Michael's running up to him and he like got his bag of runes. Yeah, he pulls his bag of runes out of his pocket and throws some and it, um, it ma- stops Michael. He makes a little circle out of mm-hmm. him. I don't know what he's doing here with it, but he's he's got it all figured out. And then he has to like cut himself and mark his blood there. And doing this, Michael picks him up and is about to strangle him. And then he says, Sam Hain, which Salen. Jesse, exactly. Apparently the runes... Abide by that pronunciation, though. Sam Hain. Apparently. So by saying that, Michael has completely stopped. He can't move. He's just standing still in the circle. So Tommy's like, all right, I'm out. And then he goes, and they're outside in the vehicle. They're yeah, trying to... Conf- it's Tommy, Kara, Danny, and Babby. Yeah, and they're trying to get Loomis to come along with them, but Loomis is like, I've got unfinished business. So he goes back into the hospital. Loomis um. goes in there. Um... He sees Michael's body. But before that, um, the man in black approaches Michael. He's like, what have they done to you? And then uh, you see Michael's Mm -hmm. hands tense up. And then, so now Loomis is there. Yeah. And uh, Loomis sees what looks like Michael's body in the middle of the circle. And he's like, all right, this is done. And he takes off the mask, but it's actually Wynn there. And Wynn, like, (gasps) you know, sits up and he's like, this is yours now. And he, like, transfers the thorn symbol to... Loomis's wrist. What the fuck is happening here? 
I don't understand. So yeah, he trans- He just grabs his wrist. The thorn goes over the woman's stairs, and he he's totally fine for like five seconds. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's the most of like this is the Loomis absurdity I wanted throughout the whole rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like as much as I hate him, like. It's just weird not seeing him like this throughout the rest of it. I just like how how quick he is to go to that. Just like it doesn't hurt, but then he has to like let it sink in for a second. He's like, yeah, what? And then it cuts to Michael. He's dressed as the man in black, and he's walking down the hallway, and he hears the yell, and he turns to his side, and, and he goes, I think it's. Tee-hee. I was thinking he was more like what. <laughs> who's that okay how does the how does theatrical cut end theatrical cut goes um all right so we don't see Kara tied up down there they go to the hospital i don't know why they go to the hospital here that's one of the things so like there's the cult everybody's attacked and then all of a sudden loomis and tommy are at the hospital loomis and tommy are back outside like normal and they're like what the fuck happened to us and like oh let's go to the hospital and they go to the hospital and um i don't it's been a minute since I've watched this all the way through, so forgive me if I'm getting this wrong. But they basically, I think they're going to rescue the baby, which I think they're like, they go down to the basement and there's like a procedure with like doctors that are, I think they're going to do something to the baby. But instead, they hide because they see Michael. Michael storms into the procedure room and squatters all of the doctors, like fucking massacre. And then they. I guess get the baby and escape, but then like, it's like causes a chase to happen within the hospital where like also doctors are trying to escape and they're getting killed along the way. It's actually really intense, like the way that they do it. Like the ending for this is way scarier than the ending to the producer's cut because like kind of what they say, like it loses intensity. They ramp it up big time in the theatrical version. Um, Tommy beats the shit out of Michael. Because he's trying to open a door and it's locked. Um, he gets like a fire extinguisher and like starts smacking him in the face. Nice. Michael's eyes bleed green. Unexplainable, but okay. Uh, yeah, I don't remember why that happened. There's like some kind of like, oh, because they're like growing things or something over there. It's like some kind of like experimental lab or whatever. It's because it's a Halloween 6 Central 2 mashup. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's so weird. Anyways, they do that. Um, then they get him, and then it cuts to Loomis and them outside, and they're like, hey, come on, Loomis, let's go. And he's like, I've got unfinished business. And he goes in there. We don't see anything there because Donald Pleasance had died at this point. Yeah, he, he wasn't there for reshoots. Yeah, he couldn't do reshoots. So you hear his scream, Gah! because you think Michael got him. Wow, that's a worse ending. The chase scene with the doctor sounds intense, but also, like, it's not that kind of hospital, so the doctors wouldn't be operating on the baby. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. (sighs) It's a very confused ending both ways. The producer's cut barely makes any sense. That makes less sense. But it's more, like, you can tell, like, that was the original vision, and it makes sense that it all played out that way. Like, that right there, it's more entertaining to watch, but it makes less sense. Okay. So... We're done talking about it. How do you feel about it now, having talked about it? I feel like it makes less sense after talking about it. Okay. Like, we had more questions than we had answers going through it. That's Um, true, but we figured out some things along the way. Again, this feels like a giant improv exercise. I 
hate that I feel like Loomis was underutilized. Um, yeah, you need Loomis to be off the rails. Although I like the idea of having like a more reserved, like calm down. Like he's like, I'm retired. This isn't my shit. I'm doing this because I have an obligation now. Yeah, like, and we kind of get that, but he's not on screen enough for us to really get that development with him. Yeah. And then, of course, it ends with this... (laughs) Like, the same scream that John Krasinski does in The Quiet Place. I don't remember that. Do you not remember? Because he sacrifices himself for his kids, and it goes... I don't remember him yelling like that. It's, it's, it lives in my brain. Oh, you got Zoe going now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um. So I think I'm, I'm gonna knock it down to a four because I'm just I'm an, I'm dissatisfied with this movie. I don't like. It's not necessarily a hate watch for me. I don't hate having it on, but like, I think my brain. It's not that I'm not remembering it. I think my brain is just like trying to block it out for me, so mm-hmm. I don't have this. You remember the good parts, yeah. But everything else just doesn't really. Yeah, I get it. It's my brain's having a trauma response to this yeah. movie. Uh, I'm gonna knock mine down too. Oh shit! Gonna knock it down to a five. Oh my god! So, uh, as I say, all Halloween movies have a place. I love watching them all. This one is still on the watch list. You know, I've put this on many times. You have. Um, it still has its moments, and the way that this movie does it, the producer's cut version, I like that it is more focused with, like, I, I like the music better, I like mm-hmm. the more focused story, even though it's still a shit, like, weird story, um, but I, I like the theatrical version for having the more gory kills, and I think that the ending for that one is more interesting, even though it doesn't make any more sense makes less sense okay so and i also hate the idea of trying to explain why michael is michael like just he's just the shape that's it yeah that's what makes him scary Mm -hmm. don't give him backstory i'm glad that we're done with this line because you know what like we don't need this storyline anymore yeah so that's it yeah so yeah five is what it is Okay, so we went from a 5.25 to a 4.5. We all Ooh, lose. Harsh. Yeah. Um, Talia had very active dreams while this was going on. Like, her running in her dreams kind of matched running in the movie. Yeah. And um, she was farting like gas prices ain't at a record high. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which like, means she's she scared. <laughs> yeah. So Talia, I think Talia honestly <laughs> probably gives us like, like an 8. She this liked was, it. Yeah, she she didn't want to go out once. She mm. did wake up a couple of times, and every time she did, she like looked at the TV until she fell back asleep. She was into it. Um, Zoe was in and out of the room. Like she, when she was in here, she would like lay on the dog bed or the couch, and she would watch it. But then she would like go to the kitchen, and she'd be like, "Guys, it's definitely time to feed me." And it was like five o'clock, and we're like, "It's not." Yeah, she was um, more preoccupied with the thought of eating yeah. than the movie. But I'm gonna say she was there for at least half of it, which. In our Zoe rules counts as her watching it. Fair enough. So. All right. Okay. So, um, we got internet reviews now. We've already talked about a lot of changes we would want, right? Yeah, we've basically listed our changes. Okay. Like, Yeah, I don't think we really need to cover that at this point. <clears throat> okay. So, I, um, I'm glad that I went with the direction that i did because i didn't know where i was gonna land necessarily and i didn't really know where you were gonna land so i picked a very favorable review for this that's probably good all right like 
again, I don't necessarily hate this movie, but I do want to hear from people who are like really into it. Okay. Um, it's a fairly longish review, so I'm just going to like read the last paragraph. Okay. Um, they sum it up with this Halloween installment is dark, weird, well shot, uses different camera angles and an improvement over the troubled Halloween five. Where they went wrong, however, is they listened to 14-year-old boys after a test screening and butchered the entire film. Reshoots took place in late July 1995 after much footage had already surfaced in trailers and on TV horror specials, making it confusing to whomever saw the film in the theater expecting to see those scenes as I did. Luckily, after years of dark, blurry, bootleg copies of the producer's cut, Dimension Films finally released it in high-definition Blu-ray discs. My favorite Halloween films include John Carpenter's original, the underrated Halloween 3, and this one. Okay. They gave it a 10. This guy has weird taste. Like, I don't, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not saying that from a judgmental place. Like, he's just very off the beaten path with that, you know? Yeah, I agree. And um, which, I mean, like, I'm glad he likes it. And again, I, like, I do see the connection between this one and 3. More than I see the connection between this one and 4 and 5. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean... Well, I don't necessarily agree that it has more of a connection. I just agree that tonally it's probably more annoying. Because it's just so weird. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird fucking movie. All right. We have one listener review, but it's a lengthy one. It's a very impassioned one. It is. Um, and... which It's Robert Otone who did clarify <clears throat> some of his things that he didn't like with Five, which is that um, the tone was kind of all over the place and that he just didn't like the cops, which... I like those things about it, but I definitely understand why that's not everybody's cup of tea. I do too. All right. So this is what he has to say. Okay. So here's the thing. This used to be my fave after the original. I thought it was creepy. I thought the mask was great. I love the cheesy brother Kane jam and full shine on. But then I learned about the behind the scenes stuff and uh, my opinion changed. Knowing that the director, who's largely a TV schmuck these days, talks shit about Donald Pleasance and that the film was recut after the original producer's cut was deemed dull by the Akkads, I was bummed. Also, I remember reading in Fangoria as a sweet little 11-year-old cherub <laughs> at certain scenes, the reporter was on set for we uh, were just straight up removed altogether, and those scenes would only later be slipped into the producer's cut. Um... So once the producer's cut had been secured, back channel, early internet, websites for the win, I saw the true version of the movie and loved it. The original score, the time code at the bottom, uh, producer's cut is the version to watch. Joe Chappelle can fuck himself. <laughs> I like that. I like his passion for it because it, it, honestly... Again, yeah. like, especially hearing that like Donald Pleasant, like he shit-talked shit Donald Pleasance and knowing that Donald Pleasance was like, the heart. like he was yeah he's underutilized um, yeah whatever opinion i have about him as a character he was a waste in this movie that's probably why donald pleasant's like loomis is less of a character in this movie is because he probably cut half of his scenes mm-hmm. yeah fuck fuck him you're right yeah he did it dirty it could have been even more um but i'm glad that you know it's your second favorite because you know i think this movie deserves some love and it even though we don't necessarily different yeah it did and you know i'm not gonna fault it for that it had all it was kind of dealt a bad hand in my opinion because all of that set up from four and five they had to finally address some things and 
they did what they, they could. didn't have a plan going into it yeah like they did the best that they could and i appreciate what the product is i still find it enjoyable just not my favorite halloween movie all right uh who did you relate to Hmm. Let's see. Um, I'd say that I uh, I probably related to. Um, who did I relate to? Um, I related to the little girl singing her dumb fucking song because yeah. I'm always going around singing dumb fucking songs. So. <laughs> okay, cool. I relate to Danny because if you would have uh, found a young Travis in 1995, this Bullcut, is exactly... dinosaurs, and the Red Ranger. Blonde hair, too. I, I, I had blonde mm-hmm. hair back then. Yeah, yeah, That was me. I was a Green Ranger fan, by the way. Oh, I should have known. Yeah. Sorry. But anyways, that was me as a child. <laughs> Beta. <laughs> no he's the cool one that always he saves the day anytime that they're in trouble he comes in and he plays the flute and they're like oh yeah and then that's that's when shit gets real he was the one that was he was mysterious so he was cool too <laughs> alright so yeah that's who I relate to that's who you relate to that's it for this episode everybody uh, yeah so uh, the rest of the month so the first two weeks, Travis chose Mutilator slash Fall Break, mm-hmm. and then I chose Unfriended. And then basically the rest of this month is, like, movies that we've wanted to talk about, and, like, neither of us is, like, necessarily claimed, so the rest of the month... Um, Joint decisions. Yeah. So next week we are doing Midsommar. Get as... ready for that one, because that's going to be a wild fucking ride, I can yeah, guarantee you. Yeah, we're very passionate about that movie. I don't know how long an episode is going to be. We have the A24 director's cut. It's three fucking hours. Um, yeah, it's a lot. We're super into it. We've got several items of home decor in Midsummer. I've got a Midsummer tattoo. Um, it's going to be It's, it's a lot. It's going to be a lot. Yeah. Um, you can watch it on Hulu Premium, YouTube TV Premium, Sling TV Premium, Fubo TV Premium, Prime Video Premium, Showtime, or you can rent it from YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, or Showtime Anytime if you have a subscription. Cool. So why is Showtime on here twice? That's stupid. I don't know. God damn it. Um, but yeah, it's a... That one's, a, that one's a divisive in the horror community, too. It like is. People either love it or hate it. So Some people are like, it's not even a horror movie, which yeah. I disagree Ar- with you all. Ari Aster says it's not a horror movie, which I disagree with him. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, you're wrong. It's like when people spell their own names wrong. Like, yeah. That's like, not how your name is spelled. And they're <laughs> yeah. like, it is. And I'm like, no, you just, you spelled it wrong. You've been spelling it wrong your whole life. All right, um, cool. Well, watch it, everybody, if you haven't seen yes. it. We recommend it even if you aren't going to listen to the episode. Just watch that fucking movie. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it like, if nothing else, it's a visually beautiful movie. Yeah. Like, it's haunting. Um, so, so we're real excited about it. All right, check that out. But in the meantime. Oh, yes, yes. All right, you can find us on social meets where you can, like, get our schedule ahead of time. Participate in polls, give us reviews, just enjoy our general bullshittery. Um, we've got a Facebook page. Uh, we've got an Instagram, Least Favorite Scary Movie Podcast. We have Twitter, Least Fave Pod. We have a TikTok. Um, I'm not going to tell you the name of our TikTok. It's not Steven. Um, 
Um, please rate, review, and subscribe to us as well because it helps other people find us. Yeah, and we want people so, to find us. Yeah. So now, now, in the meantime, bye. Bye. Michael, uh, he thinks that he sees the baby wrapped up in a towel, but he grabs it. Oh, wait, no, no, that's later. Never mind. Cut that. Um, okay. So, anyways. <laughs>